I want to talk about this theme today from the book of Mark. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Mark. A little while ago, Pastor Nadine had, you raise your hand if you needed a miracle. And some of you lifted your hand today. Many began to pray and agree with you. And I'm believing that if you lifted your hand today, that this message is for you. I want you to know that Jesus brings things back to life. That which is dead, Jesus can resurrect it. Can I hear an amen? amen. And today we're going to look at the famous story of J uh, Jairus and his daughter. And we're going to see the faith of a father. The faith of a father that had a sick child and how that faith drove him to Jesus. And if you're in a desperate situation today, you're in a place where you need a miracle, you're in an impossible situation today, this message is for you. If you know somebody that's in that place, get this message, forward them the social media link, this message is for them. Why? It's because God is in the business of bringing new life to that which is dead. He gives life to that which is dead. Maybe your need today is a physical need. Maybe it was an emotional need, a spiritual need, a financial need. What I know is in a few moments, I'm going to be preaching shorter today so that we can open up this altar. In a few moments, there is life, life that's going to flow into this altar that's going to touch you. Can I hear an amen? Are you ready to receive the word? Are you ready to receive what God has? The word will prepare our heart for the miracle that will be released. So Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to jump to. Mark 5 verse 22 is where we're going to pick up. We're going to read verses 22 to 25. Then we'll jump down to verse 27 to 29. And then over to verse 33. And so we're going to read several passages this morning. Mark chapter 5 verse 22 is where I'll begin reading. Then one of the synagogue leaders. This was a leader of the synagogue named Jairus. He came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My child, my daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Verse 24, Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around with him. And then a woman was there. She had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Down in verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak, the hem of his garment, because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Jesus will ask the question, who touched me? And in verse 33, it says the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher anymore? Let's pause. Father, I thank you for your word. Today, your word is the bread of life. It's the truth of life. It opens our eyes and our ears and to, to, the, to the way that we should go. And I pray that our eyes and ears will be open to hear it, to receive a revelation from you. 
God, I pray that you will give us, increase within us a desire to grow in your character and in your likeness. That God, we would give complete leadership and lordship to you in all things. And God's people said, amen and amen. As we read Jairus' story, it's maybe common for us as we're reading through it to overlook the desperate situation of Jairus. I feel this morning as you've lifted your hand already, God has begun to prompt you already that there is a desperation that's in the house today. It's easy to overlook the desperation that's in this story, but if you will put yourself into into the shoes of Jairus for a moment, we can begin to imagine the story that's taking place. Here, his daughter is sick. She is on her deathbed. And because of his desperation, he leaves his daughter to go to Jesus. Now, the story tells us, the scripture tells us, that he's a religious leader. He is a synagogue official, which means he's got position, position he's got uh, prestigeness, he's, he's got the role, he's got influence, he, he would have the resources, the rank. He has all of that, and yet none of that could help his daughter. If you think about this, in that desperate situation, everything the world could give him wasn't enough for his situation. I don't know about you, but I can feel with him. In fact, I can put myself into this situation. Because that's how I felt when my son Christopher lay in a coma on life support this past summer. When the doctor said, We don't know what else to do at this moment. All we can do is wait. Now, we knew there was more that we could do, but all they could do and all they were saying for us to do at that moment was wait. In those moments, fear grips us. And let me tell you, fear is an initial response. Fear's not wrong as an initial response. It's normal. It's natural. It's human. We're going to fear. We can't help it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotion that God gives to us. The difference is what do you do with your fear when fear grips you? And it will grip you. What do you do when you face an, an impossible situation? You lift your hand in a moment in a service because you're discouraged. You've lost hope. You don't know what will happen. You don't know before you what's going to happen. In that moment, it's impo- it, it feels like it's impossible. It's easy to fear. The question is, what will motivate you? When you face impossible situations, what will motivate you and what will push you? Are you motivated or are you intimidated? That's the question of what you do with fear. I want to share with you today, really, a few of the things that that help Pastor Candy and I walk through our situation, and it'll help you walk through your situation. I want us to look at the story of Jairus and there's some principles that we're going to abstract and and abstract from it that will help us. Now the key as we get started today is to know that when you're facing these seasons and these situations in your life, the secret is your faith in God. It's a faith in God. It's It's a faith. Now what do you mean by a faith in God, Pastor? That seems so simple. 
but yet it's so complex because if you're not in tune with God, if your life is not where it needs to be with God, if you can't say in your spirit, God, I know that you see it, you know it, you're in charge of it. If you're not connected to God, if you don't have the relationship with God like you need to have with him, if you can't fall at his feet in your moments of desperation, then the challenge for you will be you'll be disconnected from the one that can release the miracle to you. And so you've got to realize it's a faith in God. Now, I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. Maybe you're hot. Maybe you're pursuing God. Maybe you're running after God. Or maybe right now, things are a little casual, a little half-hearted, a little apathetic. And it's easy to get to that place. It's easy to go through the motions of church and the rituals of life and to go through life and all of its busyness and find out that we've actually begun to have a distance of our hearts with God. Well, when you look at the story of Jairus in Mark here, in verse 5, verse 23, it says that he pleaded. He came and he earnestly pleaded with him, my daughter is dying, please come. And in his desperation, we see, we see how God releases this miracle. So today I want to talk to you, how do you have faith when you need a miracle? How do you have faith when you're facing the impossible? How do you have faith when you're walking through a difficult time, when fear is gripping you, doubt is sweeping in, you're facing these situations? What I want you to hear is Jairus' faith in God positioned him for a touch of God. And therefore, you've got to know when you position yourself for the life-giving touch that'll come from God, God is in a place where he can move in your life. Can I hear an amen? So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, it starts with positioning ourselves for the life-giving touch of God. Jairus' desperation drove him to Jesus. He positions himself so that God will touch him. I'm amazed on how many people how many people in their desperate situations, though, actually isolate themselves? They separate from the body of Christ. They try to walk it alone, do it alone, stand strong all by themselves. They don't want anybody to know what they're going through. In fact, sometimes it's pretty difficult for us to be vulnerable, to tell people what we're going through. Met with someone not long ago, and they shared with me what they were going through. I said, why didn't you tell me? And they said, I was embarrassed. And that's often what happens. We're embarrassed. Maybe we blame people for whatever it is. What happens is we isolate ourselves when the very situation should drive us in our desperation to position ourselves so that the touch of God can be moving in our life. So the first principle of the story that you and I are going to see here is that God doesn't work in your life. Hear me. God doesn't work in your life until you ask him. He doesn't save you until you ask him. In fact, the Bible says ask and it will be given over 20 times in the New Testament. The scripture commands us, not suggests to us, commands us to ask. Say ask. Ask of the Lord. Jairus, when you look at him and you look at his life, Jairus' name is actually a Hebrew name. And his Hebrew name literally means, as we were reading the names of the infants up here today, from the scripture, having a scripture that links to their name, names had vital importance in biblical times. And Jairus' name means Jehovah enlightens. Jehovah gives understanding. 
You see, Jairus had an understanding of who God was. Now, what am I talking about? Is I'm talking about positioning yourself for the life-giving touch of God. So how do you position yourself for a touch of God? Jehovah enlightens, don't miss this, that Jairus had an understanding of who his God was. When he was walking through a situation, he could walk through it in a desperation coming to Jesus because he understood. He was enlightened to who God was in his life. So when we were walking through our situation, it was a critical situation. Very few people maybe even realize how critical it really was. But there was a peace that we had in our hearts because we knew one thing, and this is what you have to do if you're going to position yourself for the touch of God, is that is you must remind yourself of who God is. You raised your hand today. You're going through a situation. You're facing an impossible difficulty that's before you. Remind yourself. It's the starting point is you remind yourself of who God is. I remind myself he is all powerful. He is all knowing. He's everywhere present. I know who my God is. There is a depth in my spiritual maturity that I don't question my God because I know who my God is and I know nothing is too difficult for God. Doctors looked at Candy and I. Candy walked into that room. And when we walked in there, Candy asked the question, how bad is it? And the doctor said on a scale of one to five, he's a three plus. And in that moment, there was something that rose up. I was looking at him. The tube was there. I saw him. But you know what? There was a confidence that I know nothing is too difficult for my God. We got to that hospital within 15 minutes. Pastor Alex showed up. And if you don't know Pastor Alex, Pastor Alex is a praying warrior. And Pastor Alex showed up. He walked in, the very first one that got to the hospital with us. I mean, he was minutes behind us. He walked into that hospital. Pastor Alex got down on his knees. And I can tell you, I felt the hand of God. He laid his hands out on Christopher. And we began to pray in the spirit. It felt like a revival night. You don't have to come to the altar to feel revival and we begin to see the power of God and we begin to pray Christopher didn't start shaking he didn't wake up he didn't start breathing but can I tell you there was something in my spirit that I knew what I knew what I knew what I knew what I knew and that God is able and nothing is too difficult for God what a powerful blanket statement that all things are possible if only you believe. You lifted your hands a moment ago, and I want you to remind yourself who your God is. Secondly, you've got to remind yourself of what your God has done in the past. You see, you're not standing all in a brand new situation. No, there are thousands of years and story after story where God has moved before and God will move again, where God has moved for others and you can have the assurance he will move for you. He's no respecter of person. So remind yourself what God has done in the past. Recall those incidences where God's miracles went before you. That's what I love about testimonies. When I hear a testimony, when someone shares a testimony, when we share a video testimony, what are we doing? We're building our faith of who our God is and what he's done for others. He will do for us. And then you ask God, will you do it again? I know you can, I know you have, I know you've done it for others, and God, I'm here and I'm asking you, will you do it again? Will you do it again? 
Will you do an instant replay? Will you do a repeat performance? Will you do it again? And in that moment, you reach out and you touch him. When you're doing it, you're positioning yourself for a touch of God. In that moment, Jairus bleeds and he begs and he prays and he asks that, 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 that Jesus would come. My daughter is come. My daughter is dying. In verse 23, it said that Jesus, he asked Jesus, would you come? Here's his confidence. Would you come? This is where he was enlightened. Would you come and would you place? He had an understanding. Would you place your hands on her so that she will live? She will be healed. And Jesus began to be moved by his desperation. I wonder how desperate are you really? How desperate is your situation? Or did you just raise the hand? Oh, yeah, I need a blessing. Throw one down for me, God. Or are you desperate? Are you desperate? In the same passage, this woman with the issue of blood encountered Jesus in the same way that Jairus encountered Jesus. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. And as he's on his way, we're not told the woman's lame, but we're told of what her condition is. And without a doubt, she has an understanding that if she can touch God, that God would release and a miracle could be released. And so the story tells us that as Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, on the way, she pushes through the crowd. And sometimes you're going to have to push through. She pushes through the crowd. And a good way to push through is through prayer and through fasting and aligning your heart to God. It's more than raising a hand and coming to an altar and having someone touch you for a few minutes. But it's pushing and pushing and telling God I'm desperate for you and she pushes through the crowd because she knew if I can just if I can just touch his clothes if I can just see him if I can just get his ear if I can just touch him and in that moment, Jesus knew that virtue, what does that mean? Anointing went from him. Power went from him. And Jesus said, who touched me? And in that moment, Jesus stopped to minister to him, to, to, to her. She has a, an understanding. She falls at his feet. And Jesus ministers. If you're taking notes, I want you to understand that when we learn to worship at Jesus' feet, constantly worship at Jesus' feet, it prepares us for the miracles. But more than that, it gives us a peace no matter what we go through. Some people said, how did you make it when they really understood what had happened and transpired? What saw you through? Can I tell you, there was a peace, a peace that passes all understanding. And how could we have that peace in the midst of the accident that we were going through? And in the seriousness of it is that there was a depth in our relationship with God because we constantly are worshiping at the master's feet. We're constantly in communion with him. And when you are... It gives you a peace no matter what you go through. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so you position yourself. We must go to Jesus and seek his touch, but we are challenged to constantly worship at his feet. So the first principle we see in our story is positioning yourself. The second principle is a warning. Say warning. warning. It's a warning. And the warning is this. You must persist through the delays of life it's a warning see it's not enough just to position you must persist 
See, the problem that we have, many of us in our faith, and living by faith, is sometimes we get impatient. We want it now. We want it instantly. And God doesn't always work that way. There's sometimes, many times, most times, there is a delay in God's timetable when God performs a miracle. In our story, Mark chapter 5, verse 24, it says that Jesus went with him. Remember, the real story was Jairus. I've got a need. My daughter is dying. Will you come? I know who you are. I know what you've done for others. And I'm asking that you will do it for me. If you will come, lay your hands on her. She will live and she will rise up. And Jesus starts to move. Now, as Jesus is moving on the journey, Jesus stops to minister to someone else. No, I don't know about you, but I would be a little impatient. I know I'm talking about Jesus, but I would be a little impatient. Jesus, we got to go. My daughter is dying. You can minister to her later. She's had that problem 12 years. Come back later and minister to her later. Jesus, my problem needs you now. How many times do we feel that way? Come on, let's be honest. Come on. I mean, I understand, Pastor Ken, I'm praying with somebody. I mean, it happened to me last week. I was praying in, in, in Singapore. I was praying for somebody, and someone was pulling my arm. <laughs> I was like, I'm menacing right here. <laughs> pulling my arm, trying to pull me away, you know. Wait, 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 I'm going to finish right here. Well, that's what, was, that was what happened. Jesus got stuck ministering to this woman, which shows you that Jesus ministered to the needs that were before him, no matter what the agenda was and what was going on. He saw the need that was right there. But the reality is sometimes in our delays, we don't know what to do. And can I tell you, this is the hardest part to receiving your breakthrough and your miracle is the delays in life. It's the waiting room of life. It's these seasons of waiting that we go through. We don't like to wait. I don't like it. You don't like it. Our society doesn't like it. But when there's a delay, sometimes we have some very common reactions that if we're not aware of them, those reactions can steal the very thing that God ultimately is trying to do. One of the reactions when we wait is we begin to doubt. We doubt in times of delay. It's a typical reaction. When the promise is being delayed, we doubt, is it really a promise from God? Is God really going to do it? Where is God? And if we're not careful, doubt begins to steal the seed of faith. Another common reaction is despair. When you've got to wait, sometimes you get to the point that, that you get overwhelmed and you want to give up. And many of you have stopped praying for your miracle. You stop praying for your loved one. You stop praying for that promise. You stop praying. You stop seeking. You stop, you stop asking. And what you do in those moments of despair is you give up. But no situation is hopeless. Remember that the children of Israel, even though they were coming out of Egypt and moving towards the promised land, a journey that should have taken only about 11 days ended up taking them 40 years. But can I tell you that God was still leading and God will still lead you. Don't let despair get you to a place that you give up. And also sometimes we take a detour. What do you mean by a detour? Is that we feel like we got to solve it ourselves. And if you're a, you know, a get it done kind of person, type A, you know, entrepreneurial business owner type of, type of person, you're, you're a get it done kind of person. When God isn't moving in the times of delay, you start asking, what do you got to do? 
Abraham did that, birthed an illegitimate child that we are still fighting the world with today because of it. If we're not careful, we try to figure it out and we get out of the plan of God. And so we have to learn how to wait through these seasons. But I want to encourage you to remain persistent because God will answer. God will do it. The answer may not be yes. The answer may be, uh, it may be no. A delay is not a denial. Remember that. There might be a delay, but it doesn't mean it's a denial. It may mean God is bringing some things into alignment. It may be a no. It may be I've got a better plan for you. How many times have we been praying for something, it didn't happen when we wanted, and then later, God answers it in another way, and we look back and we say, oh, thank you, Jesus, this was a better plan than the plan that I was praying for earlier. And so we got to realize that delay is not denial, but we persist through because we know that God will answer. He's not forgotten you. He stopped to minister to the woman with the issue of blood, but then he continued on in his journey to Jairus' house. Which leads us to the third principle. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back again. Leads us to the third principle. And that is got to push forward. got to proceed in spite of fear. By having faith in God, you proceed. You push. You have courage that moves you forward. When Jesus asked who touched me, she heard, she said in the crowd, it was I, I touched your clothes. Because I knew if I could touch you, I would be healed. While Jesus was still speaking, they came from Jairus' house and they said to Jairus, your daughter has already died. I don't know about you, but I'd be frustrated at that moment. I would have. I would have been frustrated. Jesus, if you wouldn't have stopped, my daughter wouldn't have died. I know, I know, I know I'm talking about Jesus, but I would have been frustrated. Why did you wait? Why did you stop? Jesus overheard what they said, and Jesus told him, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. It appeared to be too late, but Jesus says, don't be afraid. It may appear that it's too late, but Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Proceed, trust, reach out to me. I can do it. Don't run when problems come. Don't, 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 don't run away when it gets difficult. Just keep seeking, keep believing, and keep trusting. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We proceed in spite of fear by having faith in God. Look at this next statement here. It's never over until God says it's over. So you focus on God and not your plans. Too many times we focus on the problem and the situation. And when we do, I've told you before, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And God gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But if you'll focus on God, if you'll attune your heart to God, have faith in God, seek God, let your desperation drive you to God, God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and your problem gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And when that happens, all of a sudden, your faith begins to move the hand of God. He walks into the room. He takes her by the hand. And by the way, there's a few verses there that says he cleared the house of those that were saying she's already dead. It's too late. He got them out. And some of you, you got to get those negative voices out of your head. You got to get those negative people out of your life if you can. 
if they're, if they're relatives and loved ones and begin to pray that God will change their life and change their heart. But what you got to do is you got to just get that out and get into an environment of faith where faith can begin to rise up because it said immediately when Jesus, Jesus called out to her, he said, little girl, I say to you, get up. And as soon as he said, get up, it says immediately she stood up and she began to walk around. And everyone, the scripture says, was astonished. You see, that miracle, that miracle is because of Jairus' faith. And on the way to his daughter, Jairus' faith brought a miracle to another. And what it did is it gave faith to everybody else that was around. Can I tell you, your faith will produce miracles salvation and healing to others that are around you. Can I hear an amen? Stand on your feet with me. In just a moment, we're opening this altar. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.